coming up on this episode of Belief Hole. We talked about the idea of the portal, the thin place between realms. Right. It also reminds me of the hidden folk. Same idea of the fairies and things coming over to take the children. And what is it with children stealing? You know why evil beings want to steal the souls of uh, children. the innocence. Yeah, they're high-powered candy bars to them. That's, yeah, that's <laughs> a good point. Is that where they get soul food originally, do you think? I Probably. 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 It was only after they had left the mountains that his friends told him that several of them had shared similar dreams, except in their dreams, they saw a woman crawling into my professor's tent. That creepy. That's disturbing. Imagine being in that yeah. situation. Like we're all free camping and like oh, man. you have a dream that a woman's coming towards you and then yeah. Jeremy and I were like, dude, she got in your tent in my dream. Yeah. <laughs> now she's in your body. 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 Can you imagine like in the middle of the night, there's just some creepy ass like old weathered woman yeah. just like that would be Just coming out of the terrifying. darkness. The first thought you'd be like, this is a f- witch. Right. Well, especially saying things like, are all your children safe in bed? I don't think she'd have to say anything. There's some old woman with her hair dragging in the water. Once she's coming towards you. By herself in the middle of the night. I feel like if you were a witch, that would be like a thing you just did. I feel like you would just want to have your hair hanging in the water. That yeah. like would gather magical powers or something. Oh, I like that. The one that really drew my attention was the Mosquito Man. The Northwest Coast tribes have some particularly gruesome variants where the original monster, Mosquito Man, thrusts his proboscis into a person's head and sucks their brains out. Oh, good lord. That is awesome. Yeah, until it happens to you. Yeah, good point. I tell you what, there's more bizarre experiences on this planet than there are grains of beach, grains of sand on the oceans of the world. That's right, Jonathan. That is right. I tell you what. Cuddle up around this fire. Grab your sleeping bags. Zip them tight. Get your off on. Let's get back into the creepy camping stories. Conspiracy. Synchronicity. Sasquatch. Homunculus. Alien races. Satanism in Hollywood. MK Ultra. Tartaria. There's like a whole. I've been watching this one guy. That Close the door, in. Jury. Close your door. What's the uh, inner earth disagreements? Ghost dad. <laughs> I like that movie. Dogman. Bohemian Grove. Corey Feldman. Magicians are demons. Specters. Spirits. Sleep paralysis. Strange disappearances. Sky whale phenomena. Yes. Alternative history. Shadow people. Shh, quiet. I'm trying to say words with the mouth. It's getting dicey out there. Poltergeists. That's cool. Anunnaki. What is the moon? <laughs> Elf towers. I would never talk about. It. That's old. Y2K. Cover ups. Apocalyptic catastrophe. Vampire. Well, hello, hello. Well, hello, hello, campers. Hi. That's right. It's camping time. Welcome to another episode of Believe Hole. Welcome. I'm Jeremy. I'm John. And I am known as Chris. And we are your counselors for today. Hey, I like that. That's good. <laughs> I never got to be one in real life, so. That's true. You actually you almost take did, it out you? on this audience. You're going to be. I did a two-week stint in summer camp, but I just basically washed dishes and refused to shake my belly in front of the lodge. Shake what, your like, belly? Uh, like off a chunk? Waffle? They had this thing. It was like- Remember chunk? The yeah. Truffle shuffle? Yeah, that's what they wanted me to do. Because that you know, it's like part of <laughs> really? an initiation. I, that funny thing is I was really in shape at the time, but I was still afraid. So I sang a song and it was really embarrassing. Um, Good story. It, yeah. Yeah, I always wanted to be a camp counselor. And this is, this is our chance, guys, to be camp counselors. Yeah, we did an episode on our 
membership section uh, that is currently on Patreon. Uh, who knows where it'll be down the road, but we did one on for fun the uh, the creepiness of the summer, which uh, surrounds itself around the uh, the camping experience generally. Right, right. That was mostly strange stories, strange things that happen in the woods. Right, strange nature, wilderness stories. Yeah, and we decided to keep the camping stories for today's episode. It was just a fun concept to do this time of year to get mm-hmm. into some spooky outdoorsiness, you know? Yeah, we wanted to celebrate the mysterious, magical aspects of the season, of right. the summer, right? Which a lot of people aren't getting to experience because of, you know, camps being shut down and all that stuff. Right, right. Uh, so we wanted to celebrate that mystery. Yeah, so spooky camping stories. Spooky camping stories. Spooky camping stories. <laughs> I thought a good way to approach this will just be to tell allegedly true stories as if this table with microphones is a campfire itself. You know, you always tell spooky stories around the campfire, at least that's the good stuff, right, when you go to camp. Yeah, the magical part about summer to me is when the sun sets and you get to light up the bonfires, and especially towards fall, which we're getting close to now. It's interesting this time of year when it starts to begin the shift like the crickets come out in the daytime, mm-hmm. kind of like they know that the summer is kind of, it's hard to explain, but I hear it every year. It's about crickets or cicadas? No, they're crickets. Oh, Like really? day crickets where they like, you can tell that the summer is starting to change into fall when they start coming out during the day. Yeah. It's a very, very summertime sound though. Mm-hmm. That transitory period between summer and fall. Yeah. The beginning. Transitory. Fall's going to be good though. Yeah, man. We're coming back into the spooky season yeah. pretty soon. It's the best. Well, before we get into other people's true creepy stories, do you guys have any creepy stories? Like a camping experience? I don't. I don't think I have I've a had a friend that had. It, but it's it's a it's a natural experience. That's okay. We can give a little as long as it's kind of weird. Spooky. Yeah. Well, it's it's not it's, not spooky. It's but. spooky. It's scary. Okay. Let's hear it. Um, this is Brian's story. My good friend Brian. Um, he was with. I think he was traveling. I hope I tell it right. He was traveling with his girlfriend, and uh, he was in a tent, and they were in some park. And he woke up in the middle of the night and his girlfriend was like grabbing him. And she was like, Brian. <laughs> he woke up and there was a large cat. Oh, man. Roaming around the tent like you could hear the guttural sound of it. Like a calico? No, thanks. And uh, a calico. Like a cougar um, mountain lion or something? Yeah, mountain lion. Jeez. And uh, he had a gun. Where was him. this? I don't remember, but they were, I think they were traveling to somewhere, I think maybe to move out to where he's at now in okay. Oregon. But he said he was just terrified. Like, am I going to have to kill this cat right now? Like, to be in that situation. Wow, he's yeah. just oh, roaming gosh. around the tent. And even if you shoot it, like, is it going to stop? Right. Is it going to get Is that going to make him more angry? Right. So he said it was pretty terrifying. Yeah, that's scary. I'm pretty sure I told the story before about the Mike terrifying camping experience with the bear. It sounds vaguely familiar, but jog my memory, Jer. We're camping in West Virginia <laughs> with our good friend Pat, uh, John... Kevin. Anyways, this is a long time ago in, in the wilderness of West Virginia. And uh, it was along a, a river. And I remember it was started to rain that night. So just kind of subtle drops on the on the tent, picking up into more of like a steady pick, 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 tick, tick on the tents, you know. So you couldn't really make out much sound outside of the tent. But when you when you wake up in the middle of the night at three o'clock, maybe your ears play tricks on you, right? So I'm laying there, I hear I wake up to glass bottles being knocked around. And I can think, okay, raccoons, you know, knocking mm-hmm. bottles around. So that's what I'm thinking at first. And uh, laying there, all of a sudden I hear, well, I can't do it. Maybe you can put it in post. It's a, it's big, like a, a wild boar. It's a, <laughs> it's a bad, I was trying to do a, a bear snort. 
Yeah, it was like a grunt. But uh, anyway, so I hear this and I, you know, wake up Chris and I grab my big knife. So I'm laying there just like frozen in fear, contemplating, okay, this is definitely a bear. What am I going to do? Why was it definitely a bear? Do you remember? I was just positive because my, fear, my fear told, told me it was a bear. But it was this loud, you know, breathing thing. At least that's what I thought I heard. So I'm laying there figuring out what am I going to do? And we're by the river and I keep thinking, okay, it's rainy. Maybe if, if I unzip the tent and book it to the river, I can lose it in the rain, right? I can jump in the water like bears can't swim. I'm sure it could swim and eat me alive. But uh, I didn't want to leave my friends at the same time. But mostly I was just terrified and I was completely locked. But you know all those things you go through in your head. Mm-hmm. Anyways, next morning I wake up and I'm out looking for bear signs. So you went back to sleep? Uh, yeah, after like maybe three hours or something. Um, and our friends were dead. And our friends were all dead. <laughs> no, I, later I was telling him... Uh, you were all in separate tents? Yeah, I was telling Pat about it. It was a tent across the way, across the campfire. And he was like, well, I did knock over some glass bottles when I got up to take a leak last night. Wow. Great story, Jeremy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good Lord. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure it was a bear. <laughs> wow. It's still probably a bear. Was Pat out roaming around going... He <laughs> <laughs> might have been, dude. It'd be funny if you could flash there and he's going... <gasps> Like he's just sleepwalking and just like knocking bottles over, breathing heavy. Yeah, Yeah, he did snore at times. Um, Good camping pal. Anyways, so since that time, even though there was no bear, at least that I could prove, ever since that day, I've been terrified. Like I'm not scared to camp, but whenever I do, yeah, at night, if I wake up in the middle of the night, I can't go back to sleep. I'm always listening for the bear, no matter where I am. (laughs) I was the same one. Yeah, I mean, bears are terrifying. They're monsters. They're real life monsters. They're also beautiful animals, but. That eat their young. I mean, it's really, really rare to get attacked. I'm more worried about getting murdered by a human. Yeah, human murder. Or dogman, perhaps. There was a story recently in Florida. Three boys murdered. Oh, what? Really? Like young, like 16, 17, they went on a fishing trip. Oh, man. That's awful, dude. And just like brutally murdered. Did they find the killer? I think it was like two people. Ugh. Just like doing it for a, a yeah, laugh? Yeah, it seemed like it was just pure, just... Evil. evil. Tonight, an urgent manhunt in Florida after a triple murder. This is a horrific scene, and this ranks among the worst I've been to. Three close friends beaten and shot dead while on a fishing trip, the sheriff calling it a massacre. Authorities revealing grisly details, saying one of the victims managed to call his father for help after being shot. Around 10 p.m. Friday, 23-year-old Damian Tillman arrived to the remote area to go fishing with his friends. Officials saying as he was being murdered, 30-year-old Kevin Springfield and 27-year-old Brandon Rollins showed up and were shot. Can you imagine just meeting your friends and then you're just butchered? You hear about those stories all the time and you think that they're just like mostly urban legend. But in doing these stories, you know, looking more for like supernatural things, I came across so many like bona fide accounts of a killer in the woods who just, these campers were out yeah. there and someone comes along and he gives them a warning or something. Mm-hmm. Next thing they know, you know, there's one survivor or something and the rest were brutally murdered. Well, where, in the night. Where, that's a, such a great place to murder people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you're going to do it. Woods. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's safe. And, get, and disappear them. There was a, know. sorry to interrupt, but there was a, a story the other day, yesterday, about in Toronto, like on a beach, there were just two psychopaths chasing people around with chainsaws. What? Yeah. Real chainsaws. With real the blade chainsaws. on? Not like a scare house? No, they were real. They looked like MS-13 gang members. 
Ugh, gosh, but they were freaky. just screaming at people, like families and stuff, just running up and down the beach. This was in Toronto? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. A beach in Toronto. Canadians are friendly, though. Yeah. <laughs> That's insane, man. That's so terrifying. But it's just the idea of psychopaths. So the yeah. stories that you have, are is it more paranormal yeah, stuff? Yeah, I kind of wanted to keep to the more lighthearted. I mean, not lighthearted, I guess, but a little less... Um, just murder, less like, axe wielding. That's a different show. Yeah, yeah, it's more like a true crime podcast, right? Because when you get into actual murders of actual yeah. people, you know, we did a summer campfire stories last year, I think, during the summer, and it was fun to talk about the urban legends of like the Hookman and maybe some real connections to that. But it was far enough in the past, and maybe it was real, maybe it wasn't. Right? Where like maybe real people died, but there's no yeah. families left over to hear it and be like, oh man. Well, that's the thing. We're focused on the mystery, right? And the, right. The myth, like those urban legends, have a mystery, and you you want to know and you wonder about that. The mystery of the origination, like was there a man with a like hook? Like how myths get started? Exactly. And that stuff is obviously like what we're into. Like I said on the expansion when we did this the other week, and then the expansion episode, yeah. We're not a true crime podcast, and there is a lot of tragedy and stuff that There's goes along of those with it. Anyway, well, it is, it is interesting. It's fascinating stuff. Like I, I listened to a couple, but it's not something I want to delve into right. well, on a weekly it's basis. It's kind of dark. It's dark, and we do enough darkness anyway. We do, and there, there's a human draw to that darkness. Yeah. I think and people are very interested in how people can murder other exactly because it is a mystery. Like yeah. how do how do you get to that, that level? Brain, right? Are you or are some people born evil? You know, is there possession? Right. Like, all these kind of mental illness. How does it happen? It's all demonically backed, right? And funded. <laughs> <laughs> Demons have what's the word principalities and areas that they cover. Uh-huh. Yeah, they got <laughs> the reasons. I know, I know. It's funny because it sounds like that vampire game. We deal not against flesh and blood, but of principalities. All right. <laughs> don't don't laugh. This is serious. Oh, I like it. I like that. It's good. Let's let's start. Let's get in there. Let's get let's in there. Do it. Yeah. Let's get into some more creepy, mysterious stuff. A little more supernatural potentially, but equally as real. Yeah. Supernatural. No, <laughs> it doesn't need something. After. It does. Every time Chris sings something, he go ahead do one. He always has to do this. It's gonna be supernatural. He always has to go do that Jack Black <laughs> octave or whatever it is. Just adds a little layer. It's gonna be supernatural. <laughs> All right, let's let's get into it, guys. Let's get to our. Let's go to camp. Let's light that fire. Let's set up the tents. Cook those marshies. All right, guys, light your fire. Get your graham crackers out. Get the crackle going. Uh, yeah, I'll take the marshmallows out of the package. We don't know to go to that detail. Set up the tent. I'm letting John do all the sound design in my head right now. Grab some beers. Hey, pass me a Miller, would you? Wow. <laughs> that was wonderful. Pass me a Miller, would you? <laughs> a little bit of a problem that guy's having there. All right. So this one, actually, this works well. This one, because this one takes place on a campground. Do we have a link? Uh, yep. Let me send it to you guys. Oops, I almost sent it to my landlord. Be like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> like, why are we talking about Dogmen in the Woods? Let's go on. So I, maybe I should say, this episode is going to be a mix of stories from authors uh, and some stories from Reddit, which actually... Authors, like, meaning they're real stories, right? That's the thing, man. I'm going back and forth on this because I used to think, okay. Are they, but are they saying they're real? They're saying they're real. Okay. But then you look into a lot of these authors and they're not doing any background and a lot of people well, are just don't repeating ruin it. Well, no, what I'm saying is the Reddit stories sometimes have more credibility. Right. For example, a lot of these stories coming up are, and we'll link to these users and we'll link to the subreddits that these were in, but I wanted to double check to get as close to a, a realistic human as I could realistic human to, to back up this, <laughs> these stories I just want to make sure that the people posting these weren't people who were posting a lot of creepypasta or or trying to sell a book or something and what I found was each of these stories that I found were all 
commenters who just commented on random things like backpacker yeah. uh, trips or what they think about the education system in Houston, Texas. There's there was no one that was saying that had a bunch of crazy stories in all these posts. This is uh, usually just one that I found of each person. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, that's a good point. I do think when you're in a like a Reddit thread or something, and you you're just a user that usually posts about like chocolate and backpacking, for mm-hmm. instance. Uh, two things that always go together. And then <laughs> you you post say like, oh, dude, by the way, that reminds me of this one crazy thing happened to me and you have a really interesting, complex, just bizarre kind of story. Right. And then that's it. And you're not trying to sell anything. You don't, yeah. that's not what you write about. You're not a fiction writer. Yeah. It kind of is an interesting way to look at it too because Reddit, in, in this sense, reminds me of a newer version of sitting around the campfire with strangers telling stories. Right. It's a virtual campfire. Let's, let's get into it. All right. Let's start it up. All right. Ready? Says the old witch in the kayak. Yeah. I work summers as a camp counselor in the northern parts of Ontario, Canada. Every year we canoe out to a site by the lake and set up our tents. On the day this particular incident occurred, I was camping with a group of 10 year old boys by the lake. Me and my co-counselor, Mike, take turns supervising the kids while they swim, build forts and play games. We cook some food over the fire, sit around and tell stories cook s'mores, the typical Canadian camping experience. Around 9.30ish, I tell the kids it's time for bed and they head into their tents, which were positioned a small walk away from the shoreline, but still in the line of sight from where we had the fire pit. So the kids have gone to bed and me and Mike are shooting the shit by the water smoking a cigarette. Just basically hanging out before we decide to head into our tent and call it a night. What happened next still troubles me to this day and remains my go-to scary campfire story. We were both gazing into the pitch black night water when we saw a small light approaching us slowly and slightly above the water level. We speculated what it could possibly be for a few minutes before it came close enough for us to see that it was mounted on the front of a kayak and that someone was approaching our campsite. Now it is important to note that as a camp counselor, part of our training goes over how to deal with stranger encounters in an environment where we are responsible for a group of children on public property. I was prepared to give the mystery paddler the typical speech about how we are camping with a group from a recognized organization and we would respectfully ask that they find another campsite. However, this person's appearance shook me to the bone as the light drew nearer. Paddling this kayak was a woman who looked to be in her 60s she had incredibly long, wispy gray hair that was trailing in the water. Whoa. Yeah, that's a creepy visual. Her skin looked like old leather, and her dead-looking eyes were tough to spot under all the wrinkles. She looked directly at me, and when she spoke, I realized she was missing most of her teeth. Are all your children safe in bed? She asked me, pointing in the direction of the tents. Not really knowing how to respond and quite frankly shitting myself, I responded by telling her that they were fine and she should leave. Yeah, the kids are fine. I think it's time for you to go. That's good. Just as expected for this time. She said with a smile, then turned her kayak and paddled off into the night. At this point in time, myself and Mike were legitimately very creeped out. I know, right? Not only because of the appearance of this mystery woman who resembled a corpse, but also her inquiry on the whereabouts and safety of the kids we had brought on this trip. Not knowing what else to do, we grabbed our hunting knives and sat by the fire after checking on the kids. Half an hour later is where things started to get really creepy. Across the lake, a female counselor was leading another trip for kids the same age group. 
She sent me a text which read something along the lines of, Hey, Sean, stop screwing with us. This isn't funny. My kids are really creeped out. I instantly called her and let her know I had just seen something near my campsite that seemed eerie and that I was not trying to play a joke. Apparently, one of their kids had opened their tent door to use the bathroom and had seen a woman with long hair standing with her arms open towards them near the shoreline. Definitely creepy. <laughs> creepy. Yeah, like she's coming to collect. Yeah. Ugh. I mean, if that's a real story, that's pretty terrifying. Terrifying, dude. I wonder what kind of kayak it was. Like, was it like a Dick's kayak? I also want to know. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, got a good, she got a good deal. That's true. I think it'd be a canoe. I'm hoping it's like an old, in my wanting this to be scary and real, even though, though it'd actually be awful. I'm hoping that it's like a old wooden, you know, hand-built kayak that her husband witch had built for her or something. Her husband witch. <laughs> I guess. Can men be witches? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It really? wasn't, witches wasn't, wasn't specifically female. Oh, interesting. It's just be, kind of become that. And then yeah. you get the warlock, which... Oh, that's true. Warlocks are... Warlo- warlocks. warlocks. <laughs> it's Can you imagine, like, in the middle of the night, if it's nighttime and there's just some creepy-ass, like, old, weathered woman, yeah. just, like, that would just be coming out of the darkness. I mean, you would... The first thought, you'd be like, this is a fucking witch. Right. Well, especially saying things like, are all your children safe in bed? Yeah. I don't think she'd have to say anything. Right. There's some old woman with her hair dragging in the water. Well, she's coming yeah, t- that's towards creepy you. enough, yeah. man. By like, herself in the middle of the night. I feel like if you were a witch, that's what, that would be like a thing you just did. I feel like you would just want to have your hair hanging in the water. It yeah. like would gather magical powers or something. Like it just seems well, like you a, know that's how you gather magical well, obviously powers. They do. I hope that story is true. I wouldn't know what happened after. I know. Like, she, they're at the shoreline. So the kids saw the old lady with the arms yeah, open. Yeah, the shoreline with her arms open towards them. Right. She's just standing And then did her. she leave? I forget. I think it said so what happened after. You didn't put the rest of the story well, in Well, that's there? the end of the story, but then the, uh, one of the cool things about Reddit, you know, is you can debate, up. but yeah, yeah, there's there's comments, so you can ask questions in the Reddit response. So that's, and I, we'll link this in the show notes so you guys can Yeah, you can guys can look it into too. it yourself. Maybe if you make the decision. But it's weird. It's interesting that it happens along the water. I have a couple of stories if we get to them coming up. Some dogman encounters, actually. Oh, in finally. The while camping, but on riverbanks, on water. You know, we talked about the idea of the portal before and the water being the thin place between realms. Right. I wonder if this witch was coming over from the other side. And it also reminds me of like the hidden folk. The oh, hidden yeah, folk, yeah. which we might talk about. Right. But that's the same idea of the fairies and things coming over to take the children. Well, there's, I mean, magical properties regarding water. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's such a vein. And what is it with children stealing? Well, you know why evil beings want to steal the souls of uh, children. The innocence. Yeah, they're, they're high-powered candy bars to them. That's, yeah, that's <laughs> a good point. What's the next story? Soul food. All right, this one's quick and short. Ooh, is that where they get soul food originally, do you think? <laughs> I Probably. <laughs> um, this next one's really short. And the next few are pretty short. I just thought in the mood of like swapping stories around a campfire, yeah. find some short ones. This one's uh, just interesting. And it leaves you with just a creepy feeling. A smidge of terror. A smidge of terror. I like that. This is called Just Outside the Tent. I went camping with my boyfriend when I was 19. We weren't in a designated camping site, just out in the wilderness of northern Scotland. I was just chilling in the tent, using a torch to read my book, when all of a sudden, the roof just starts bowing inwards. It came down two to three feet to the point where I had to lie down so it didn't touch me. I'm sure I saw ten points pressing in right above my face, like someone was pushing it down with their hands. Well, that's creepy. That's the end of the story? That's the end of the story. 
what the hell? Is, there's got to be like, did it just leave at some it's point? It's just I just wanted to read that one because it's just to imagine yeah, that scenario. Yeah, it reminds me of like one of like those that slow pushing yeah, down that's all the way down to your face. Yeah, well, especially if you're off like in the middle of the woods, like right. Blair Witch stuff. Well, that was the thing. They went out and checked. There was there was no one around. Like that's kind of the end of the story. But just that creepy, like to have that happen to you would be terrifying. Oh my god! Yeah, I mean that's supernatural. There's no yeah. one just walking out off any <laughs> just to spook people well it's definitely it could be natural well, well and they were out in the middle of nowhere they said they yeah, weren't they even, weren't in, a even campsite. in a campsite yeah. they were just off the beaten path somewhere that's, well, and there's that's another Blair actually well, they could have been followed come on there's an, there actually there's another quick one i'll read real quick because i, I wasn't sure if we're going to get to it but it ties right into that now that i think about it tie it in so this story that relates i call synchronized sleeping and you'll see why i was camping in the desert in utah I was a wilderness guide and lived out of my truck, so I camped nearly every night. So totally used to weird noises. Twigs cracking. Whatever. But one night, it was extremely calm and quiet. Just a weird vibe in the air. A couple friends and I were on Bureau of Land Management land in Utah near Moab, and we had just put out the fire and laid our bags out. Just as I was starting to fade out, Something grabbed me by my wrists and jerked my arm straight up into the air. I sat up immediately and two of my friends bolted up at the same time. We all had it happen to us and we couldn't explain it. Nothing else happened, but it still makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up when I think about it. That's a creepy thought. That is bizarre, All man. at the same time, it reminds me of like the ritual movie or something where oh, there's yeah. like a spirit that just has that power to- just- Skinwalkers. Yeah, it is interesting that you say that. Well, it's a heavy skinwalker area, the Utah. Right, and so there was one of the responses that I thought was interesting to this to just give it more credence. So this person responded, from Utah, avid camper, love Moab. There is an area out there between Salt Lake and Moab that is simply possessed by Native American spirits. I'm always cautious about camping there, and I always put a protective circle around the campsite. Skinwalkers, water babies, hunters, etc. I have seen enough to scare me for life. I have heard enough stories to scare me for life. Even in the not-so-hostile-feeling areas of the Utah desert, you can hear and see stuff on a nightly basis. The drums, singing, flute playing, etc. It is bad enough that it is terrifying, and any Native American I talk to about camping in the desert crams me full of charms and protection advice, no matter how non-religious they seemed. So it just, I mean, that's another person that, you know, reminds you of skinwalkers, like you said, um, yeah, this area just seems full of strangeness. Yeah. There Magic are, spirits. There's a lot of people in the world that do like ritualistic stuff, it seems like. Mm-hmm. It can summon all sorts of spirits. Yeah, well, and there are places, I think, that are imbued with that kind of energy. Like Hollywood. <laughs> like Hollywood, yes, that's one example. <laughs> Hollywood. We talked about Hollywood, where the term comes from, right? The holly tree, yeah. the branch of the magician's wand. It's made of Hollywood. It's weird how these stories are working out because that story ties, since we jumped to that one, it mm-hmm. actually ties into the next one. John, why don't you go for this one? Jared, unless you want to No, do I'll do it. it. Okay. Uh, better, better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this story kind of reminds me of the one we just did because it is, again, something where campers kind of experience the same thing independently at the same time. One of my college professors told us his story. He was camping in the Cordillera Mountains and he had his own tent. He woke up in the middle of the night to find a woman with unkempt hair and torn and bloody clothing crawling on all fours towards him. He screamed and woke up. (gasps) It was a dream. Oh, thank God. When his friends rushed to his tent to see what was the matter, 
He told them about his dream and a few of them became visibly uncomfortable with all the color draining from their faces. They insisted that they leave camp as soon as the sun came up. It was only after they had left the mountains that his friends told him that several of them had shared similar dreams, except in their dreams, they saw a woman crawling into my professor's tent. That creepy. Oh. That's disturbing. Imagine being in that situation where you actually, yeah. like we're all three camping and like oh, man. you have a dream that a woman's coming towards you and then yeah. Jeremy and I were like, dude, she got in your tent in my dream. Yeah. <laughs> a shared Now nightmare. she's in your body. Yeah. Yeah. That reminds me of Ritual, that movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, great. great you guys film. haven't seen that. Check it out. It's a very scary. Yeah. Netflix original, I think. Yeah. It's just Excellent. a bunch of bachelor, not bachelors, but they're kind of like old, like mid. A bunch, bunch of guys, guy friends. You know, mid, early 40s, just kind of like trying to experience some excitement in their lives. Yeah. They end up going in the woods and uh, a lot of crazy things ensue. But it, it's all kind of that same feeling of like when you get out into the woods, you know, there's just a primalistic energy out there. Right. And a darkness. Yeah. And a darkness. And sometimes it seems like humans in that darkness intermix and it creates this sort of like potential for, you know, it, it seems very witch-like. That's an interesting yeah. way to look at it. Because that energy that, yeah, that, that kind of darker human instinct, I feel like, I don't know if it, whether it's a, some kind of influence of spirit out there in the, in the darkness sometimes in the Skinwalker. wilderness. Skinwalker. Skinwalker, the the magic of you know different uh, belief systems, but also they're just being a natural energy that exists in nature. That if the person is receptive, can be pulled to you know feed on maybe their darker desires or be led by a spirit from right. the realm. Well, how how much is. of it is your own internal? Right. Yeah. You had an interesting theory. I remember Jeremy talking about how like portals, mm-hmm. how in nature, like in these oh, high yeah. energy places. Yeah, it was basically it was the idea that uh kind of came to me when we, were, when we were talking about this stuff, but it was the idea that, what was it exactly? Just that there's so much life out there and that it's oh, almost yeah. like you can use That's that right. life to yeah. create these openings. I was saying that essentially the idea that the, the energy in nature, and nature is so dense with life and it's so unique to nature in the sense that we live in the cities all the time, right. concrete slabs, just humans and some dogs, you know, pets, cats, <laughs> but we don't, Snakes. We don't have that uh, kind of labyrinth of nature, right? The, labyrinth of life. Right, labyrinth it's like of a life. web of life. Yeah, web of life. Uh, the, the, that natural matrix of energy, life energy. And, but yeah, that idea that basically, you know, all the, you know, trees are connected, roots underground to the other plants. The, the ecosystem is so engaged with itself that maybe that engagement of life energy constantly undulating and moving back and forth together in and out creates a kind of magic, magic invisible, energetic, we could call it magic, a matrix of natural magic. And yeah. that idea that entities from maybe other realms, for instance, maybe dimensions just outside our own, can use those different uh, labyrinthine... To harness that energy and create portals. Yeah, them. exactly. Use, use like, you know, travel those lines of energy at like a gateway to mm-hmm. pull, come into different realities. It's definitely possible. It's interesting because we went on that, that uh, river walk, you know, a couple weeks ago, we talked about that, but it's that feeling of like, when you're out there, you're like, I can see how all this could be real. Right. Like when you feel that. Especially in places of high beauty, like where we were, it's just, I mean, it's just a very kind of primal feeling mm-hmm. place. Very, Spir- spiritually visceral. Not just a trail, but it was right. like tons of stone and valleys. And, and it just reminds you that like all of this that we've created is is not the reality. Right. The reality is that it's place. Temporary. That you, we only get to go to once in a while, but yeah. that's the real we world. We are on vacation from reality. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, it's funny because we look at it and we feel as if it's a sort of magical thing nowadays. But when we lived more in that world, in that quote unquote realm, magic was just 
part of reality. It's a byproduct of living. Good way to put it, byproduct of living mm-hmm. in that realm. But yeah, you know, and you, you know, we talk about wilderness. Also, even, um, I don't have any stories from this guy today, but one day maybe do a whole story when we're talking about like being out there on your own and sort of how these experiences become sort of commonplace. Um, there was a border patrol agent who has who has a really good book full of these stories. Mm-hmm. And he worked there, I don't forget how many years he was an agent, like 30 years or something. But uh, the book's called out on foot, nightly patrols and ghostly tales of a U.S. border patrol agent. And oh, the man. things that he would experience out there that were supernatural, that doesn't get talked about. It gets talked about among that the agents, but doesn't get reported. Do. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I think we should do that. But yeah, he would basically, he, what he was saying was like, you know, as a border patrol agent, it's vastly different from any other law enforcement because you are in, you are on your own for weeks at a time. Weeks? Sometimes up to 14 days. Really? Yeah, where you're in communication, I think, with people. But you're but alone just because the border is like so base. vast. Exactly, so there's there's so much time in solitude in a desert That'd situation. That'd be a creepy job. Probably camping out. Yeah, and just the fact that you could run into like gangs and MS-13. Well, like, yeah, you're working at it's a dangerous smugglers job. Yeah. And drug smugglers. Spiders. Spiders. spiders snakes but yeah the, but the point being like when you're on, when you're on your own well any any place really when you're on your own for vast periods of time i, mean, I feel like that's the time yep. when you're gonna be uh exposed and vulnerable to things right. that might want to play with you exactly you know all right guys we're gonna take a quick break and when we get back we're gonna get into a few more creepy campfire stories maybe a little bit of the hilda folk the hidden people oh you got some of that too and maybe just maybe I forget what the last thing was. <laughs> uh, some other good stuff. Yeah. All right. Just real briefly before I go, um, I think I mentioned in the last episode, I've, I've made a lot of music in my life. And if you like the production, yes. uh, you could actually check out the music that I produce. It's called Bright Lights. Ooh, we should drop one for the break here. Yeah, I could do that. But if you like the production of the show and you like some of the sound that we do, you can uh, definitely um, check out the music that I've done in the past. You can find it on Spotify or iTunes. And there's there's another bright lights out there that's actually a lot more popular. So <laughs> but she's a woman, right? And the, if you check it out on Spotify, it's actually a picture of me, right? But the man, the man, the man of bright lights. But anyways, just wanted to mention that because a couple people actually, I have three albums out: Dreams of Where You Came From, Summer Fire, and Connect. So the, those are all tied to the bright lights. So yeah, check it out. And a lot of the, your music, just I don't know, some of it does just feel like. Not only is it the production we do with the show that has that that mm-hmm. feeling to it that matches what we do, a lot of music just has like a kind of intensity to it and a magic. Yeah, it's I mean, it's kind range. of a representation of it musically of what the show is a little bit. Right, right. It's not the same thing, but it has the same personality. Same feel. Right, right. That's why I thought people might like it. So check it out, guys. Bright Lights on Spotify and anywhere you get your music. There'll be a link in the show notes. And we'll play a song right now. Let the fire. Four campfires. All right, we'll be back. Trapped in my mind, I see your face Gone to the world without a trace But I can't stop looking for you Let's go, 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 let's go
Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Grab your sleeping bags, zip them tight, cuddle up around this fire, get your off on. Let's get back into this creepy camping stories. Yes. So I got two left. Because you're going to kind of get into some native lore and some dogman, yeah, right? Well, I've got, I have some... So when we were coming up with this episode, I was trying to decide... Or it's just hard to find stories that are specifically creepy about camping. I like didn't that have a hard experience. Time. Yeah, you did. You said you did for like three days. I'm amazing. Trying to make it look easy, Chris. But anyways, I was like, well, what, what is an experience that's, that is always outside where it's in the woods a lot? So probably going to happen a lot around camping. And I thought, dogman. And luckily I did find a fair number of dogman stories. So I pulled a couple to tell some of the creepier ones. Awesome. Cool. Well, let's wrap up these more conventional camping stories, shall we? Yeah. All right. We'll start with a real quickie. <laughs> Sounds enjoyable. <laughs> Sounds satisfying. <laughs> All right. This is called the Overlook Knocker. My girlfriend and I were visiting Mount St. Helens. We were sitting in the car, parked at a rest area, having something to eat. It was sure they were. They were it was raining. Something. Wind- <laughs> <laughs> Too much. <laughs> and it was getting dark. There was a knock on my window. We both were startled and looked at each other as there was no one else at the pullout. Man, this is full of stuff. And my, <laughs> gotta be a better way to say that. And my side of the car was parked beside an embankment. I rolled down the window and looked out. There was no one. Then we sped off. It was super terrifying. Later, we read in a park flyer that a man died there during the eruption. I still get the. <laughs> oh my gosh! Sorry. I didn't, how did I not see any of this? The eruption of what? <laughs> it was they're parked at Mount St. Helens. Oh. Wow, that was full of double entendre. That's funny. Did you say his friend died during the eruption? No, no, no. He read a flyer that someone had died there during the eruption. Oh, okay. Oh, that is pretty creepy, though. It is creepy. Well, just that idea. First of all, wow, I didn't see any of those double <laughs> entendres when I got that story. They had like 10 packs well, in Once you're two thinking paragraphs. about it, you can really you can pull That's them out. That's true. Anyway, yeah, that's a creepy, just that that idea of being parked somewhere in the darkness and then like, you know, a knock, knock on your window and nobody there. Yeah. I don't know how many times just spontaneous in my, my mind, I'll be in my apartment or wherever and I'll just think like, what if right now there's just like a bang on my bedroom door, you know? At your apartment? Yeah. Just, this just pops into my mind. Yeah, I actually was thinking about that last night. That's well, weird. we know what would happen. You'd ignore it and, and keep going about your time. That's true. Nothing's <laughs> <laughs> there. Nothing's Remember when out you there. were banging on... Oh, the RV when I climbed on top yeah. of the RV to scare Chris. And he's like, oh, I'm just going to pretend that there's no one out there to kill me because it's a... Plus, they're literally throwing things at you. If you don't believe you. it, it can't hurt you. <laughs> Chris, there's an old saying that goes, you can ignore reality, but you can't ignore the consequences of reality. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, it sounds that's pretty basic. And it sounds like you would try to ignore reality. <laughs> I like to create my own reality. <laughs> Until you can't ignore it. Hence the show. Um, all right, so that's pretty quick and sweet and uh, more sexual than so I that was, was it. remembering. So there's a lot of sexual innuendo and then a, someone had died there during Mount St. Helens. Man, Holmes you were not paying attention to the story. It was hard because every line was a laugh. Okay. There was a knock on the window. Uh-huh. They rolled the window down, no one was there, and then they read about someone died there. Yeah, it was just spooky. It's kind of a little spooky too because it was raining. Yeah. So someone would have to be out there in the rain. Right, that's a good point. And also it's like in the middle of, you know, it's not like it's at a park or something. An overlook. Yeah, yeah but no one. Are we getting a hike up there in the yeah, nighttime during I mean. the, when it's raining out? It just, to me, it just made me think of like you know that that stereotypical like guy died sadly suddenly and like, is still trying to get home. Maybe yeah. he's still running from that eruption and he sees a car there. He's, he's like, like oh, let me in. Was yeah. that 1980? Oh, the eruption. Yeah, it was like Mar- March 1980, I think. When did the eruption happen again? Well, details are important. <laughs> I do remember there is uh, in the museum there, there's like a little museum on the mountain, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, inside there, there's an actual, I think, short video of a guy who basically knew he was about to be dead. 
yeah, like killed by the heat wave. Can you imagine that? Yeah, so he just decided to keep filming, and then he covered the camera so that that would survive. Wow. So he's like, well, I'm done. He's like, there's no way out of this. So now you can go to that museum on the mountain and watch his last footage before he died. So it was saved the footage? Saved the, yeah. He was covered by like the pyroclastic flow. Not the flow, but like basically the heat heat wave. I wonder if he left his body before it happened. Maybe, like from that last episode we did. Or unless he was that ghost knocking on the window. Has anyone seen my movie? (laughs) Sorry, poor taste. All right, back to camp. What's your next story, Chris? These are all really short, Chris. Yeah, I tried to keep them tight. They're almost a little too tight. Well, this one's a bit longer. That's what, um, that's what he said. Uh, well, yeah. That's true. Do you want me to? All right, Jer. So you're gonna be in like an old guy, like an old scared guy. Okay. In the woods. Oh, that'll fit right up his alley. <laughs> right up my alley. Jeremy can play an old scared man. Kind of looks like an old scared man, <laughs> even though he's a young boy. You guys are so sweet. You mean strong, visceral, <laughs> strong cowboyish? He is wearing a bandana. That's how I keep out the boogers. All right, so this one... <laughs> wow. Okay. All right, so this one I found on Thought Catalog, but again, I went back and found the original Reddit post and checked it. Actually, this guy's a Chippewa man. Oh, He's, Native American? Yeah, a descendant of the Chippewa tribe. Oh, I've got some Chippewa stories. Oh, cool. A little tie-in. This is a good way to end these camp stories then. Uh, but this took place when he was camping when he was 16 years old with a group of people. It's called Help. I went camping with the summer program when I was 16, 12 other guys being managed by four adult men and we were having a great time. Oh man, guys, this is the best. S'mores, hot cocoa, campfire stories, the works. We all had to be in our tents and either sleeping or awake, but quiet by 11. I was in a tent with two other guys staying up later, just talking, typical teenage guy stuff. As one guy is talking, I start to hear heavy breathing nearby, like someone has just been running and is out of breath. I ignore it and keep listening. I figure I'm just a weird kid hearing things. That's what I always go to. I'm probably just a weird kid. (laughs) (laughs) I always hear things. Or that it's one of the guys in the next tent making the noise while he's sleeping. Then we hear... Please, help me. From outside. It didn't sound like anyone in the group. It sounded like an old man out of breath. Shh, shh. Did you hear that? We all went dead quiet and listened to this guy breathe. Then he asks again with a whimper at the end. Please, help me. I don't know what possessed this guy near the front of this tent, but he turned on a flashlight and opened the inner flap. (laughs) (laughs) Man, it's just something about Uh, camping. But kept the outer zipped and looked out. We just see a pair of bare old scabbed and pale legs standing there. It looked like this guy had been walking nude through the woods for some time. He asked for help, but kept standing there. We were all paralyzed with fear, but the guy at the front managed to say, Keep walking down the trail. A ranger should be on soon. The guy stopped breathing and said, No, no rangers. They keep me here. It was at this point someone else finally spoke up. A chaperone came out of his tent with a flashlight and cautiously asked him, How long have you been out here? What happened to you? The old man didn't answer. He just started sobbing and ran off into the woods. We saw by the flashlight that he was completely naked and emaciated. Dude, this is a really, really weird and creepy kind of possible explanation. Missing 4 and one For the Overlook? Huh? The Overlook story? No, no, no. no oh, like no. it was this guy? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, the... 
the missing four and one, like just the uh, imagine the idea. It's completely out there, but like the Rangers are in on it, and they're <laughs> right. part of sort of some secret human collecting. You know, oh yeah, like uh, Hunger Games, or even better, Hunger you, Games, like hunting people. Cabin in the Woods. Have you seen that? It's a really yeah. good kind oh, of funny Joss Whedon yeah. movie. It's creepy too. Though. What if it is? I mean, that's. I'm not going to say all Rangers are doing this. If there are Rangers not. out there, let's know what's going on. But imagine that, like that, there is certain Rangers that are part of this inner cabal that are patrolling not to keep people out at certain times, but to keep people in and maybe sell them off to people. Up, or like you know, they're hunting them, or for like ritualistic practices. Yeah. Or it could be slave trade. You know. I'm sure that there's weird stuff in some of those places yeah. going on. Because it's like the perfect place to do that stuff. Human hunting, yeah, you're right. The most dangerous game. Human hunt, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but that and also, yeah, like weird Bohemian Grove type stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, absolutely. I think that stuff for sure does go on in on some certain places. Level, Hopefully yeah. not too Hopefully often. Hopefully not a lot. I, I like Rangers overall. This story, so. yeah, and that's the thing. And also <laughs> this story, out of all the stories I grabbed, this one, for any of these were made up, this one seems the most likely candidate. It was weird how he described himself as maybe, like, maybe just a weird kid. Maybe I'm just a, a weird kid. Well, that didn't seem as weird to me as just the, you know, there's a great punch at the end, like, they keep me here. And then the man runs away. And I don't know. It's, it definitely could have happened. But mm-hmm. I thought if, if any of them, and also the guy's name is One Macabre Cat. So he seems like he's into spooky stuff. Uh, but again, it's one of those situations where I looked at his other stuff and it was like, you know, commentary on a football game or something. Like, I didn't see a lot of posts about Not a super, like, over-the-top story either, though. No, but the punch at the end. Yeah, it's a good punch. Yeah, the accusation that the Rangers are keeping this right. old man there. I mean, it's definitely like it has a. Or twist. he could just be an insane person that. That's true. You know, thinks that they're keeping him there. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, I can't imagine someone would live very long out there if you're, you know. Well, he was on his last an old man. He's on his last scabby legs. Emaciated. Well, the idea was that he he just escaped, and they oh. they keep the Rangers well, keep taking him and putting him back in his. He try to get help from them. Then? They called for rangers, and he said, no, no, rangers, they oh, keep me here, and then... Wouldn't you be like, tell them the whole story? Depends on how scared you were. Yeah. Plus, think about it. If there's like a group of kids and one adult against, you know, the, then the rangers come, they have guns, like... That's a good point. You know the terrain. You just more have more people disappear. Might be like, I better shot just yeah, right away. Yeah, and maybe he was just like, they're not going to believe me. They're yeah. going to right. call a ranger anyway. That's uh, a lot of speculation for a silly story. <laughs> if I was a scared, <laughs> emaciated man being hunted by park rangers, I'd probably do it differently. That's what yeah. I'm going to say. I'd probably do it a lot I'd better. Be, I'd have my wits about me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I would have trained for this. You know. Let's read the encapsulated man cow. See, that's I wanted to read that one. It's not a camping story, though. Yeah, I was worried Jim wouldn't get to his stuff, so I was going to save it for another episode. But it is a fun story. So I say do it. Yeah, we can throw an oddball. All right, so the, my last story is a pretty famous account that I had actually never heard before. And I titled this story, Bizarre Flying Encapsulated Man Cow. Sounds compelling. Sounds normal. Yeah, (laughs) you'll see why. One misty night in the winter of 1974, 68-year-old Mr. William Bozak of Frederick, Wisconsin, had what he described as a hair-raising experience. He was driving carefully home in the fog to his rural dairy farm, where he'd lived for over 30 years, when he suddenly saw a strange object on the roadside. Wait one damn minute. What in the hell is that thing? As he drove closer to it, what he saw baffled him and defied any logical explanation. He would later tell newspapers that it was a human being standing inside a bullet-shaped transparent glass compartment. This figure inside the glass compartment was between 8 and 10 feet tall. Wow, that's terrifying. Very strange. And its arms were raised above its head in a gesture of surprise as if the creature was startled and frightened as Bozak himself. 
What follows is a statement Bozak gave to reporters describing the creature. He was looking out the window. It was a different kind of character than you'd see on this earth. It looked a good deal like a man, but it had a different looking face. It had kind of a cow looking face. His ears were calf-like. <laughs> the being had no collar or shirt, but did appear to be dressed. As he drove away from the strange creature in the glass tank, the inside of his car grew dark and the sound of his engine began to fade. Then he heard a soft whooshing sound, like tree branches rubbing against his car. Investigator Everett E. Leitner reported that Bozak was very frightened at the time, but the look on the alien's face looked as scared as he was. He could tell by its large eyes protruding from its head. Though the driver was terrified of it, he also regretted leaving it. I should have stopped to show him I was friendly. I wish I could meet up with him again. <laughs> Aww. The newspaper account appeared in the St. Paul Pioneer Press, though the farmer kept it to himself for a month or so at first. I'll take a lie detector test to show him I wasn't making it up, he told reporters. Leitner, who investigated the case, found the farmer to be held in good regards by all who knew him, and none had a bad word to say about him, leading the investigator to believe he was being sincere about his encounter. Yeah, I love that story. It's a weirdie. I like it because he's like, oh, he kind of wishes he had said something to him. Because well, if you he think, probably it, felt bad that it was scary. Yeah, and imagine like you saw a man, but he had like cow eyes and cow ears. It'd be adorable. So where did he see this thing again? On his property on his dairy farm. But what what was the glass container? It was in a glass compartment. Case. It was like basically encased in a glass sort of bullet-shaped uh, enclosure. But glass wasn't his, right? No, no. I mean, the, the argument the would be the road. that it was a craft Weird. that this thing was in, or some people have posited that it's uh, sort of a prison, maybe, that this thing is in interdimensional, Weird. blipped into That's a very, reality. very, very strange. Very strange. Yeah. I mean, it's unique, but I've heard other stories of someone being in a garden and seeing smaller humanoid figures, but again, humanoid, but sometimes also in a glass case type thing like piloting a vehicle but yeah this is interesting because it doesn't sound like it was a vehicle it was a tank except that it moved it did yeah it flew over his car it i mean that's, say that. that's the insinuation well this is the retelling of S stephen young uh an author who wrote this book here which is called missing in the woods i believe which is a it's just a retelling of this classic story but the newspaper accounts are you can look them up oh, that he did like fly like the i believe flew. that's the story is that the whooshing sound went over his car so they think that it was a moving Craft. Unless it was just like some sort of like dimensional slip and this cased creature was there in glass. Like some collector of strange creatures. Yeah, maybe he dropped it off. Maybe that was the sound was the collector maybe. coming to pick it back up. Yeah. I tell you what, there's more bizarre experiences on this planet than there are grains of beach, grains of sand, <laughs> grains of sand on the oceans of the world. That's right, Jonathan. That is right. Anyways, that concludes my stories. I hope you guys like those. I'd give you a round of applause if I had one. I sold all my rounds. Of I sold them. <laughs> I sold them for a man cow bat. So <laughs> I can fight off the man cows when they come. Uh, you know, I never put that together. He did have a dairy farm. And then he did see a human-like cow in the fog. Ooh, maybe he just saw one of his cows. There and was, was some genetic experimentation drunk. going yeah, on. Yeah, see, that's what I'm thinking. And whatever that sound was, was, it, was <laughs> Probably. the craft coming to pick up their experiment that they had recently oh, experimented. Right? Maybe. Jimmer, what do you got? What do you got for us? Okay, well, where do I begin, guys? You know, I was going to get into a little bit of lore, a little bit of uh, native lore, some interesting... I'll just, I'll mention one. So I don't know if this is Cherokee or what language this is, but the word is Yunwitsandi, which means little people. Oh, yeah. Sound familiar, right? Like the Hilda folk. Right. Uh, or the Hunda folk? Hilda folk of Sweden and, and Scandinavia. Right. Although um, those aren't necessarily little. 
They're hidden folk. Right. But the, the, their function is the same in the stories. They're essentially the boogeymen of right. those cultures. Uh, boogeymen in the sense that you tell your children stories about them or people, and it's, it's a way to keep people in line or like specifically with the deer woman of uh, the Chippewa. Deer woman? Yeah, she's a woman who, uh, entity, a uh, nature spirit, essentially, who would lure girl-crazy men, lonely men, into the wilderness. Aww. And if you, don't, <laughs> if you don't pay attention and you don't pay attention to her hooves... Uh, in other words, my eyes are up here. My hooves are down here. What behooves her? What behooves her? Exactly. What behooves her is the urge and desire to trample upon those incautious people who do not pay attention. That sounds just like the Nordic legend of the, is it the Huldra? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Huldra. Wow. Except that's she crazy. had a tail and not hooves. Right. But the same thing where like, you think it's a woman. Exactly. And it tricks you. And th- in this case, the deer woman will stomp you to death, trample upon you. And in the Huldra, it was more... Uh, they're both kind of succubus type mm-hmm. entities that lure you. I think in the, the holder it was more about marriage, like it would, she would trap you in a, in, in a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a metaphor. But um, yeah. Anyways, I didn't want to go too far down that. I would love to do like an episode just on like native lore and uh, and different cultures with these kinds of nature entities. It's a great idea. But the one that really drew my attention was the mosquito man. Awesome. Because what sucks? Well, that's a pun. Didn't intend it. Around campfires in summertime are mosquitoes, right? Oh, yeah. Well, this is the horror reality of the man mosquito. Okay, so essentially the legend goes, Many tribes have legends about man-eating monsters that were turned into mosquitoes, thus continuing to feed on people, but in a merely annoying way rather than deadly. I like that. The Northwest Coast tribes have some particularly gruesome variants where the original monster, Mosquito Man, thrusts his proboscis into a person's head and sucks their brains out. That is awesome. Yeah, until it happens to you. Yeah. Good point. Often so surreptitiously that the people around him don't even notice their companion is dead. There is a typical Haida story of such a legend in which, now this is really disturbing, in which a baby is being passed around at a party and Mosquito Man stealthily sucks its brains out before passing it to the next person who is then horrified to find the child brainless and dead. Oh, man. Well, that's a quick... It's like a dark turn. Quick, dark, disturbing <laughs> yeah. turn, yeah. But yeah... That's just a creepy story. Mosquito man. <laughs> is it because mosquitoes are often kind of unknown when they're on you sort of thing? Like they have that numbing agent that... Oh, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, like they're very stealthy yeah. in that way. Yeah, that's definitely a connection. I think the idea behind this story being told and told again is that maybe like a cautionary tale for new parents to be careful about their child, you know, always keep eyes on it. Like there's always ways to put these stories in sort of a cultural warning kind of context where it's like these stories are told to keep right. kids in line or whatever. But the mosquito man might be real, so be careful. <laughs> right. It also sounds like an analogy to like someone who was a dick in life and took advantage of people and fed off of people as far as like their resources or their generosity or just their naivete. Then you die. Mm-hmm. And in this example, those people that die become bloodsuckers as like mosquito men in the afterlife because they're continuing to feed on people, just to literally feed on them. Vampires. Anyway, that, that's just the one kind of interesting native camping woodland kind of story that I want to touch That's on. interesting. I like that. Are we going to wrap it up with some Dogman stuff? We sure are. Awesome. No, I'll let you guys pick. We're not going to do all these stories. I have a few. Well, we can do one for a future Dogman episode. All right. Do you want, guys want to hear Dogman It Was Communicating or Dogman Slime Throat of Norway <laughs> or... Let's do a Norwegian Dogman. That sounds pretty good. Unless you think it's not as compelling. No, I think those two are both good. Norwegian Dogman. That sounds fascinating. Let's do that one first. Okay. It's really just I liked it because of the Slime Throat aspect. Okay. But... Um, Who doesn't like a good slime throat? I haven't heard a lot about encounters in Norway, Scandinavia. Not even Europe, but here is mine. 
A little background, I'm a 27-year-old guy living in the western part of Norway. I'm 6 foot 4, 230 pounds, fairly athletic, and not scared of much here in life, but that night, I got incredibly scared. I haven't walked, camped, or done anything in the woods here since, at least in this part of the country. I've always loved the forest, but not after this. The day started as a very normal Saturday afternoon. I had packed my tent and some food and was heading to the local mountain for a one-night camping trip. After two to three hours, even though I'm in respectable shape, I was pretty tired. I didn't have any mobile phone or clock with me, but my best guess is that the time was around 8 p.m. It's not that easy to guess the time since the sun is up almost all day and all night when it's summertime in Norway. Oh yeah, land of the midnight sun. It was a nice and clear Norwegian evening. It was typical summer weather. I made a fire and cooked some food. I had a couple hot dogs and a pack of marshmallows with me. After a couple hours, I had eaten my food. Actually, I felt a little sick. Probably because you had too many marshmallows. (laughs) Because I ate probably, oh, he said it. (laughs) Ten too many marshmallows. I had enjoyed my meal and taking in the heat of the fire, thinking what a lovely evening it was. Eventually, it started to get somewhat dark. I'm going to say the time was probably around 11 p.m. I had planned to kick back and read, but it became a little too dark to do that. Sure, I could see and all, but it became a little hard on the eyes to concentrate on the letters. I probably was a little too tired also. Suddenly, I heard a noise from a bush to my right. I turned to look in that direction and saw it just standing there. It was standing to my right and kind of ahead of me. I've listened to reports and they all say it is some big nine-foot monster of a beast. This one really wasn't that big. I would say it was six foot at the most, but it shook me hard. In one moment, I was enjoying a nice evening by myself, and in the next moment, I felt extremely startled. It was breathing heavy, like a very tired man, but it sounded animal-like wild and weird. It sounded like it had throat problems, or slime in his throat, or something. I really don't know how to describe it with writing. I was still sitting at this point and just looked at it. I believe I was actually frozen in fear. The most dangerous animal we have in this area is probably a fox. I have never encountered anything other than a deer in the woods. The creature was frozen as well. It was standing on two legs, with its arms down at its sides. I can't say how many seconds we both stayed like this. Of course, it felt like forever, an eternity. I couldn't see its eyes because they were dark and kind of in the shadow of its brow or sockets. And it also had some hair, but its head was fixed on me. That I could tell. I was just sitting there, paying attention to what it was doing. I didn't utter a word at it or yell. It just wasn't something I considered doing. I was afraid of making the first move. Now you know how a cat slowly moves its paws ahead when it thinks it's safe or when it thinks its prey isn't paying attention. Well, to me, that was what it started doing. The incident ended with me throwing a handful of red glowing sticks from the fire at it. When I did that, it bolted. So yeah, that that idea that like... But it's on its two legs, right? Yeah, Hmm. standing up with two legs. But the idea that like you see it start to move towards you when you think... The prey isn't noticing. I don't know yeah. if Jake does this, but when an animal creeps, no, it's creeping Jake's up on just something. Freaking jumps <laughs> at it, yeah. But yeah, like cats for sure. Like the, the yeah, kind of the stalking slow, creep, the stalking. Yeah. That'd be so creepy to see that coming yeah. at you. Yeah. Um, so the other story I have here is a different kind of attribute of the dog man that is somewhat disturbing. The way he 
processes in his mind what he's seeing as this extra layer of disturbingness to it. Cool. Freakiness. So we can just jump into the next story if you guys want to. This one. These stories never end with anybody being eaten. That's what I like about Dogman. Well, you would never hear the story. That's a good point. Maybe there are many being eaten by Dogman. <laughs> okay, so this I titled, It Was Communicating. And we'll have links to the original sources in the show notes. I was camping near a lake at a packed campground. The moon was not quite full, but full enough that it dimly lit up the night. I decided to take a walk to the other end of the lake where I sat near the water and gazed at the moon's reflection on the water and up at the stars for about five minutes. Suddenly, I became aware of ripples on the surface, about eight feet to my right, pulling my attention toward a large log at that spot in the water. In the moonlight, I could make out a figure. Laying on the log, it had a head of a dog, coal black, and a human's torso, which was a lighter shade, but I couldn't make out the legs. It must have been observing me the entire time I sat at the water's edge, completely oblivious of its presence, because it made no sound. As I began intently studying the bizarre figure, trying to figure out what my eyes were seeing, it moved slightly and appeared to become nervous as it looked towards the bank, then back to me, to its right, and did this several times in a sort of panicked, fast and jerking type of motion with its head. I quickly realized there was someone or something else on the bank to my right, but was hidden because of the large bush, and it was communicating with it, using body language. Oh, that is a creepy idea. The thought of this totally freaked me out. Freaked me out worse than seeing a dog's head and the torso of a man atop a log. Inside I felt panic, instant fear, but I took a deep breath and slowly stood up and walked backward until my feet hit the trail. Then I turned and ran back to my campsite, about a quarter mile away. Fueled by total adrenaline, I was too scared to look over my shoulder. I've told nobody about what I saw and I've thought I had witnessed a demon and have felt like I somehow narrowly escaped with my life for some reason. Even though it was non-aggressive towards me, I just can't shake that feeling. I just had no explanation for it and have felt like I had put myself in mortal danger because I had been so unaware of my surroundings. I learned a lesson from the experience and when the memory would enter my mind, I tell myself how dumb I was and I shiver and try to block the memory out. It was just too disturbing of an experience. But the memory kept returning as I questioned in my mind what it exactly was that I had seen that night. Was it a demon? I now know after hearing stories of other encounters, there is such a creature that exists in the world and I'm now 100% convinced I saw a dog man on that night. The experience scared me so much that I felt the need to run for my life from it. I was also unharmed by it, so perhaps they did not perceive me as a threat or that easy of a meal with all the campers around. Or they are not all that bad, but do emit fear that humans pick up on once they are seen. We talked about that idea. In closing, I will add that I did feel compelled for some reason, like a pull, to take a walk at that time and sit at that spot. Don't know why, and it's also something I wonder about. That's that idea of, is there some sort of like telepathic lure? Yeah, remember that story of that girl who heard the tapping on the glass and was drawn, even though she was saw the figure right. in the eyes staring Pulled at her and towards this it. wolf, she just felt compelled to move, like it was summoning her right. towards it, but she was terrified at the same time. That's the interesting thing about the Dogman cases, the Dogman stories. Mm -hmm. It's not, I mean, it's not just a monster. At least these stories all seem to indicate there's something supernatural going on, something darker than just a Isn't flesh and blood. Isn't that like the way it is too? Mm -hmm. You like look at it. <laughs> Yeah, the deadlights, you mean? Yeah, where you're just kind of like... You're like entranced. Yeah. Yeah, and it's yeah, the, pulled in. It's the vampire idea. 
that vampiric like you know hypnotism creepy but anyways we can just stick with those stories I got more stories we'll save for another time oh we'll save them we'll save them those are good so I hope you guys like those creepy camp stories. I feel a little more camp-like, a little more summertime funnish. Yeah, that's the beginning of, or potentially the beginning of our anthology, right? Camp Creepily? Oh, yeah. You want to call it? Camp Kablam. Camp Kablam. Or Camp Kablam. <laughs> was that what it was? That was our, camp Blam our movie about like where to study to become like a carnival I don't know. It sounded like a great idea at the time. Now it's just, I don't know. <laughs> getting um, blown out of years can- ago. The final scene is the getting blown out of a cannon, right? They had to find some kid that was like beaten up earlier as the smallest kid, but he right, right. turns out to be the perfect yeah. candidate to be shot out of the cannon. So he redeems himself Sounds as really a hero. Boring now. Camp Kablam. <laughs> camp Kablam. Someone write that. Just give us a writer's credit. Camp Blam. Camp Blam. All right. So we do have a stinger. For Alejandra. Alejandra. Nice. Um, she's been with us for a long time, so thank you. Yes. My dear. The bottom of our hearts. And she, her biggest fear is aliens. Awesome. They're pretty terrifying. I mean, not awesome, sorry. That's, that's a little kind of awesome mean. to have that as your fear. She likes true crime and a couple other things, but... Is this an abduction stinger? It's a song. Oh, that connects her interests, right? It's generally the idea. Well, it's just aliens. Okay, yes. Ready? <laughs> yes, let's do it. <laughs> We are coming for you when you sleep tonight. Wow, terrifying. <laughs> we will pick you up, then we'll take flight. <laughs> That's the Lady Gaga song. <laughs> Okay, so you made a song wow. about her terror, which is yeah, great. So I, uh, you know, and it's not that scary. It, no, what's strikingly, what's scary about it is how much it reminds me of Lady Gaga. Yeah, that was. What I don't know why. They, just the song. The, the song. Music? It's the way it's done. Like the it's yeah, like the music the melody, and, and also way no, Kesha. Reminds me of Kesha. It's a blend. It's a <laughs> it's blend a of blend. Kesha. And, <laughs> but I, I purposely I had some scarier voices, uh-huh. and I didn't use them because I thought it'd be a little too creepy for that. Was supposed to be kind of. Silly. Yeah, well, definitely. It was definitely silly and it was good, but it just reminds me of like, I think what was creepy about it to me was the Lady Gaga. I just felt like, I don't know why, it just sounded like a Lady yeah. Gaga song. Anyways, um, I hope you liked it at least a little bit and it doesn't scare you. We hope you liked it as much as we like you. But we do. Are we are grateful for your patronage and for you being with us so long. Absolutely. It means a lot to us. To all you folks out there and everyone listening. And if you would like to support the show and get extra double the content, double the fun, head to beliefful.com and we should get that changed. I think I mentioned that because it's patron right now. We may have to leave Patreon at some point because right. there's in some legal. Yeah, there's a lot of junk going on the Patreon, and a lot of ways they are not our favorite company. Yeah, and, and they may go out of business at some point. So it's possible. We are trying to start our our own thing, but that's going to take some time. So, but that's where we're yeah. going in the future. That's why I made it purposeful to say go to our website and click on the Patreon button. That way, I can reroute it in the future. Yeah. So head to the website right now. We still are on Patreon. So if you want to get um 
an episode, an extra episode every time we release, mm-hmm. head on over there and it helps us out to keep the show going. Hugely. Five bucks a month, you get double the episodes, plus some bonus stuff when we put it out. Right. Additionally, don't be scared when we talk about potentially leaving Patreon because we will have a transition process and no one will disappear. You won't lose your connection to us when we do make that change. So don't be afraid to sign up now. Right. And because we really want you here. Right. Yeah, so the expansion episode is going to be a fun one. It's going to take us out of the creepy warmth of a midtime summer and take us into the deep, mysterious, craggy darkness of Antarctica. Ooh, I love craggy darkness. So yeah, we're going to be exploring some mysteries in Antarctica. Uh, a lot of strange, bizarre goings-ons there. A lot of reports of uh, of inexplicable phenomena. There's plenty of mysteries. Yeah, plenty I, of conspiracy theories. I kind of don't even want to like touch on specific items at this time. And just Right. Leave it open. Leave it open to the mystery of... To the craggy darkness. The craggy darkness. The icy depths. So yeah, join us over there. I think it's going to be a real fun one. It's going to be great. So join us in the expansion, guys. And uh, yeah, for the rest of you, thanks for being here. Yeah, let's, let's get some uh, thank yous to our current patrons then. Alrighty. Go for it, Jer. Quick shout out to our current patrons. You two will get your name shout out if you sign up. Thank you to Daniel Huff, Cassidy Barzak, Pee Jack Burton, John Mitchell, Raja Lamans. Might be Raja. Raja Lamans. That's more spicy anyway. Ellery Roberts, Riley James, Rochelle Ingram, Lauren M. Cameron Kaczynski, Josh Arthur, Garth Fulton, Megan Faith Diver. Norma Menzies <laughs> Jeremy Littleton Jamie Jay Rooney and Briar Aldridge Amanda Bartling, thank you Beth Crutchley up, Beth? Carla uh-huh. Joey Jackson Alex Butler Colt Sisson Colt Sisson Colt Sisson Colt Sisson Hi Colt Andrea Stell Laura Hervonen. Hey, Laura. Nermac Black. What's up, Nermac? Zach Smith. Tara McNeil. Laura Elizabeth. Stacy Lukanen. Lukanen. I think Lukanen. it might be Nordic. It looks like a Nordic name, but I don't know. Hard to pronounce. All right, everybody. Thank you. Appreciate you. Yes, you guys are awesome, and we appreciate our listeners here in the hole. Those of you watching on YouTube, hopefully we're caught up by now, by the time this has come out. Should we tell them the fun potential thing that may be happening? Let, yeah, let us know if you guys are interested in this. We, it might be good to get some you know, get some thoughts out there from folks. Um, um, we're thinking about doing a documentary. Yeah, like a <laughs> actual feature-length. Like a feature-length sort of uh, you know, film thing. <laughs> and that's oh, exactly how we'll pitch it. It's a documentary. <laughs> I mean, you know, documentary style. Right. It's going to be basically like how we do our episodes with research, storytelling, interviews with real folks who've had, you know, whatever the topic may be, but we're going to try to pick our most compelling, maybe some of the more unique topics that there isn't a lot of information out there on, and then take it to town. You know, this is a, a brand new idea, but we've always wanted to make a movie together. Right. And we've done a lot of these shows at this point, and we can we we can do it. Yeah. yeah. So we may do a Kickstarter at some point. This is all just very fresh, but we're excited about it. And uh, let us know what you think. You'd be interested in seeing a documentary produced by the yeah, Believable Any Brothers. ideas, you know, that you think might be cool? The point is we love doing the research on stuff. We love producing stories, but every couple of weeks we're cramming something new out and we have to move on. It would be great to be able to spend time building something visual, building a story visually for you guys and making it... Um, I don't know, a piece you can hold in your hands. That's like, yeah, this like is a, our documentary. Like a piece yeah. of art, you know, yeah. something that's a little more polished than what we do every every just episode because we got to move through these so quickly. Exactly. Yeah. It'd be kind of neat to do something, you know, because I went to film school and wasted, you know, $100,000. It'd be nice to what? make a movie. You didn't spend that much. All over time. 
But yeah, I also, a lot of that was on snacks. And rent in California. <laughs> Smart decisions. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, so that's kind of the news, and we really are excited about it. Yes, sir. So let us know any ideas that you might have, and just if you have any thoughts about it. I will hope you guys liked your time around our campfire, and make sure to tune in next time when we talk about Lighthouse Legends. That'll be fun. Yeah, we'll be sending out some uh, requests for stories, too, on specific subjects as they approach. So stay tuned for that, and thank you guys for being there. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next time with Lighthouse Legends and Mysteries of the Deep or something to that effect. All right. You have a good day, night, weekend, whatever it is. Amen to that. Put out your fire. It's the forest danger. <laughs> yeah. Chris is trying to bring it back <laughs> to the camp, campfire theme. Put out your fires. It's the, the forest ranger here. I said it's a forest danger. <laughs> he said this is a forest ranger. Chris the bear says, be smart and put out your forest fire. All right. See you later. Bye. Bye.